We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, welcome back. What? Every time. What? Every time. <laughs> Go ahead. What? Go. Okay. jeez. Oh, hey, guys. Welcome back to the Guilty as Charged podcast with Jason, Steven, and Tyler. Today's the first day we'll be covering defense, and we're kicking things off with the corners in this draft class. The Chargers do need a corner opposite Casey Hayward. I understand why they would have felt comfortable rolling into 2019 with Trevor Williams or Michael Davis on the outside. And with All-Pro corner Desmond King, All-Pro safety Derwin James, and uh, Special Teams All-Pro Adrian Phillips rounding out the returning group. On top of that, the team took supposed draft day steal Nasir Adderley in the second round of the draft. But outside of Hayward, no one on that list played the entire season. King was sent home one game. Davis missed games due to being hurt or suspended. James bent a screw in his foot. Williams never really made it back onto the field. King regressed last time I checked and gave up the highest completion percentage in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. Phillips broke his arm, and Adderley played sparingly in four games before he faded and landed on IR. Steven, I know we aren't really talking safeties on this episode, but the secondary as a whole did really suffer. Is this an easy fix with the addition of a corner opposite Hayward and the returning health of the team, or should the Chargers fans be more worried than they are about the secondary? I mean, when healthy, you know, you have an elite secondary for sure because of Derwin and because of Casey and because of Adrian Phillips. Um, I think Nasir Adderley coming in is a bit of a wild card. We don't really know what they're going to do with him. I think they drafted him to be a free safety and that didn't happen. So maybe they could switch him to corner. You know, that's kind of up in the air. Um, to me, if you drafted an elite corner in this class and there are plenty that there are plenty of corners to like, and there's a lot of everything there's, you know, this is a really good corner class. 
Um, if you plug in someone instead of Mike Davis, I think you are better right away. Um, granted, I think Mike Davis is, uh, you know, we never really considered him to be a starter. Like, that never should have been the plan. And, you know, Brandon Faison did step up in a little bit of, of a pinch. And, you know, I think Brandon Faison's a much better tackler than Davis. Um, but, yeah, to get back to your question, I think you plug in a rookie corner and your defense is, is much better than last year. Jason, before we get into the corners, can you just tell me and explain to me what kind of corner Gus Bradley's looking for in this defense? Talk about what a corner opposite Casey Hayward would be expected to do. So you could go one of two directions with this. You can either take a man-to-man corner that kind of does the opposite of what Casey Hayward does so well. Um, Or you could bank on the fact that Casey Hayward is a good man-to-man corner when you ask him to do so and go get a pure zone corner. And so if you go that route of where you ask Casey to do more of the zone, then obviously you want the guy opposite of him to to be well-rounded, of course, as the cover three scheme asks them to be. Uh, but to have that capability to play man-to-man coverage when you ask him to cover these underneath routes. Um, and if you go and bank on the fact that Casey Hayward can play these guys man-to-man and you want to ask Casey to do this more, then you go and you get a good zone guy and have ask him to just do his job. And that's kind of closer to what they did with Trevor Williams and Casey Hayward a couple of years back as they asked Trevor to be the pure zone corner and they asked Casey to be the good all-around guy. And um, when you when you have the the two the the duo working together like that, you can really mix up what you can do in the secondary, which will confuse the quarterbacks, which causes them to make throws that gives Casey Hayward so many interceptions, or allows Trevor Williams to be one of the the higher ranked corners in the league. They just it has to it has to work well together to confuse the quarterback. Yeah, I think the point here is that you want a guy who can do a little bit of both, um, and that's the thing is like last year you're you're hoping that uh, Trevor Williams is healthy. And but he's a totally different corner than Mike Davis, and he's a totally different corner than Brandon Faison. So, you know, you have these three corners, and they're all different. They all are good at one thing, but it's a different thing. So I think you know, like Jason is saying, ideally you want to get a guy and plug him in that can do a bit of everything. All right, Jason, you've also got a really cool interview with a certain someone of this draft class. Could you tell us more about it before we play the audio? All right, so this is going to be Reed Harrison Ducrow out of Duquesne, one of the lesser-known corners in in all of college football. Uh, but despite being lesser-known, this dude can ball. Don't let it fool you that he's from a small school. Uh, his film backs up his stats greatly. He's going to be a great corner. Um, he just needs the development going into this next level, and I hope this interview sells you on Harrison Ducrow. All right, got Reed Harrison Ducrow here. Say what's up to Bolt fam, Reed. Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me on. Reed is out of Duquesne, a small school, and uh, put up some pretty impressive stats here. Uh, touchdowns allowed, you had zero in the 2019 season, mm-hmm. only gave up 138 total yards, and you only gave up 17 completions and 251 opportunities and 251 coverage snaps. Yeah. Um, that's, that's pretty elite numbers, um, especially coming out of that small school, and it was just obvious on film that your talent level was was clearly above that how do you get to that state do you pride yourself on technique or is it that athleticism that was sought after coming out of high school yeah well I've always um I've always prided myself on my technique I've been working on it since the seventh grade and I've been blessed to have a lot of people with a lot of experience at the DB position in my area so Jay Valai 
who just got named the DB coach at University of Texas, Larry Brown, uh, Kevin Mathis, and then Clay Mack, who's trained Jamal Adams and various other pros. Um, so having them kind of in my corner and having them kind of help me hone in and perfect my craft at the corner position um, is something I really pride myself on, along with my athletic um, ability with my quickness and short burst ability. I think it's um, above average. And you definitely have that quickness. You you posted some great times here, uh, a six three three seven cone and a three eight seven twenty yard shuttle. Yeah. That was- so while you do show off that technique, that athleticism is really impressive. Yeah, yeah, and I ran that uh, two summers ago actually with um, at Donald Drivers, and he's another NFL pro who's in the Grapevine area at his uh, facility. So with that technique, you do show it off a lot in um, in that press man. Which do you which do you like more? Do you like that press man coverage or do you like that off man? I think I'm good at both, but I really like press man. Um, I think I like it more because it's you're literally in a guy's face and it's one on one and it's who's going to be better each and every rep because you don't know when the ball is coming to you. So it's just being on your toes and reacting and just being a dog every play. Yeah, and even even preferring that press man, you definitely showed the skills in the off coverage. Um, particularly, particularly on the outbreaking routes, you showed a lot of uh, a lot of quickness on those outbreaking routes. Even when the timing was right, you were able to disrupt and make a play. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you when you consider that that technique that you've been talking about, and then uh, apply that quickness, is it is it easier being in that slot role, or do you enjoy being outside more? I like both. Um, I think each has its pros and positives. So, like slot, you're obviously like closer to the box, so you're going to be a lot more the action um, as opposed to outside. You're just on that island, which isn't bad, but um, you're in more plays when you're in the slot as opposed to outside. Cause sometimes I'll run the ball the opposite way. And if they run into the opposite sideline, then you're really not going to be in the play. And the, the route tree in the slot is definitely a lot more extensive. Does that, mm-hmm. does that quickness help when it comes to those, to the, all those different routes? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, I think the quickness helps along with film study and kind of studying the receivers each and every week and seeing what kind of routes they run. So you're listed at 5'10", 185. Yeah. Um, and you you went up against some uh, pretty big receivers. Uh, did you did you find it to be a struggle going against those powerful receivers? No, um, I didn't. I think that although they have a height advantage, um, I have my advantages as well. That's kind of how I look at it. Um, the taller they are, the less quick they tend to be. So I just beat them with my feet and then beat them with my quickness along with film study and stuff. I think that kind of cancels out that 6'5", um, I guess, addition. Or not addition, but plus they have on me, if that makes sense. Yeah, got you. So... um you showed off more of a more reach than I expected. Those uh those big guys, it almost surprised them when they box you out with their frame, and you're able to get your hands around them and uh make the break up, make the pass break up. Um, that that wingspan, it, it it probably helps a lot against those big guys, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. I have a, I think my dad measured me at seventy four inches, so six a six two wingspan. So it, it definitely helps a lot. Um, on like the outbreaking routes as well as the deep balls, just uh, and as well as body position, just getting your getting your hands in there and getting the ball out. And that has to be invaluable having a, a receiver go up against you, um, listed at those six five heights and uh, 
being able to work around their frame like that. And uh, it definitely has to be a big positive going into this draft. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. Um, I know I have my skill set and I'm confident in my skill set against um, any receiver, tall, short, either or. So, Do you have a preference of whether you like to go against those uh, those more powerful big receivers or the, the small quick receivers? I'd rather tall receivers, to be honest, because like I said earlier, the quickness isn't – the taller they are, the less quick they are during um, – in like route releases and coming out of breaks. So I think having the – people think that going against a taller guy is a nightmare, but I think it's actually a an advantage because I'll use my advantages against them. And then, like I said earlier, kind of negates that height factor. And despite the height, the height factor as well, you um, you went up against a bigger receiver against uh, CCSU, mm-hmm. and uh, he went and ran a double move on you, and you had some sticky coverage there, mm-hmm. um, didn't allow him to to phase you, and you were actually able to win on the fifty fifty ball. Yeah, and on that, um, also that play happened because the defensive staff obviously put me in a great position as well as the other ten guys on the field. Um, but throughout that play, I just used my technique and kind of use my body my body against his body to kind of squeeze him to the sidelines and then I just turned around and made a play and you've had some uh, great coaching along the way some big names here that uh, you you mentioned a couple earlier to get you into this into this position where um, you've gotten your name out there and put great tape out there as well yeah um like I said, I didn't, I didn't do it by myself I've had a lot of great individuals that are very knowledgeable around me to help me throughout this journey from middle school to high school to college. Um, So I'm very thankful to have those people be put into my life to help me get to where I'm at today. So this is something I've always wondered and I've always wanted to ask a a corner. I played safety and when I played football, so I never really got into the middle of the action like that. When you're, when you're in the middle of a play, how often do you think about technique in the moment or is it more about those instincts and raw athleticism? Maybe at the beginning of the snap, you think about technique, but honestly, for me in a game, you just got to go because like, that's why you have practice. That's why you have the off season to kind of perfect that technique. But when it's game time, I feel like when you think that's when you get beat or when you mess up. So you kind of just have to get the call and then just do what you do. It really is a a thin line there of being able to, to having the room to think and then just using your instincts and going and making a play. Yeah, no, it definitely is. You have to learn how to balance it. I think people think too much um, as either that's with film study and try to figure out what play it is, um, or like you said earlier, with technique. So I think, but I think just in a game, you just have to find that balance between thinking, the amount of thinking and the amount of just reacting and going. So I noticed you play a lot more man in it than uh, the zone at Duquesne that I, that I saw, uh, which were you more comfortable with? Were you met, were you comfortable with that, uh, that man coverage or that the zone? Yeah, no, I was definitely comfortable with man coverage. I, I'm comfortable with both to be honest, because in zones when you can get your eyes on the quarterback and get more chances at interceptions and making plays on the ball. Um, and then man has his benefits with just being able to, like I said earlier, just knowing that you're one-on-one against that guy and locking him down. Um, so they both have their benefits. And then which, which zone coverage do you think you, you played most often? Uh, was it more of a cover two or cover three? Definitely more cover two at Duquesne. If you, do you have a favorite active NFL corner right now 
that you kind of model your game after? Yeah, I do. Um, Chris Harris Jr. with the Denver Broncos, as well as Casey Hayward with um, with the San- or Los Angeles Chargers now. That's that's our guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I really model myself and chose them to kind of study because they are the same build as I am. They're both about that 5'10", 5'11", range, um, about, one, about 190 pounds, and they're just technicians, and they're consistently – consistently considered all pros and consistently at the top of their game each and every year. So if I can see my thought process is if I can see what they do and kind of mimic what they do. And if that works in the NFL against NFL receivers, then it should work for me. Right. You showed a real willingness to, um, to get involved against the run. You showed great pursuit and uh, you were able to set the edge a lot, even against um, some tight ends. Uh Um, was that, do you, is that something you take pride in is being able to help in that run support role? Of course. Yeah. I pride myself on being a sure tackler. Uh, I know a lot of, I guess, different corners and different safeties, you know, come down and knock people out and stuff. I mean, I can do that sometimes, but I'd more pride myself on getting the guy to the ground. Um, so I think that's, yeah, it's definitely something that I pride myself on is being a sure tackler. So when he comes to my zone, I'm able to make an impact and make the tackle. And then that 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 length you have um, that wingspan, uh, you had one, a field goal block. Um, can't recall which game it was, but you were you really showed off your speed and quickness there, and um, that long reach. And that's something um, can't speak for other teams, but the Chargers desperately need is that that special teams help. Is that is that a lot of technique too? Do you practice uh, special teams a lot, and do you play it a lot? Yeah, I definitely do. So I've so throughout my career, I've I was actually the backup holder for place kicks at Boise and at Duquesne. Um, and I played gunner. I played um, hold up on punt. I, I basically played every position possible you can except kicking the ball. Um, as far as technique goes for blocking kicks, the Duquesne coaches helped us on getting our feet right um, and then kind of getting us help set up to make the play. Um, but like I said earlier, like when you're in a game, you just have to react and then kind of time the time the snap and see how like when they're going to snap and then you just have, you just got to go and lay it all out there. And that's something you're probably prepared for uh, moving into your rookie year is being able to, I mean, you got to find any way onto a roster so that the special teams experience can really come in handy. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of the NFL veterans that I've talked to, um, they said that special teams and the special teams coach is your should be your your best friend on the team because um not everybody can start um right especially at corner because there's only two and then nickel I guess there's three um but finding a way on special teams and making an impact on those special teams can help you continue to be on the team are there any NFL players or vets that you go to that are your go-to guys to get uh information or uh kind of pick out their brains a bit yeah um, kind of like the guys I mentioned earlier, Jay Valai, who's a corner coach at UT, he's been teaching me since ninth grade, eighth, eighth grade. He's been teaching me since eighth grade. Um, he played at Wisconsin and he's, he's probably the most cerebral person at the defensive position and just knowing like the little numbers and the statistics and then what's going to happen and when's going to happen. Um, so he's been a huge help as well as Larry Brown and then Clay Mack as well. Um, I kind of just go to them if I ever have any questions or need advice about certain situations or how I should play somebody going into the game. 
if I don't really know how to do it. So they've definitely been a big help in my career. So going through some of your some of your old games um, listed on PFF, mm-hmm. you were um, when you played Virginia when you were over at uh, Boise, you were graded right up there with Juan Thornhill and Bryce Hall. Yeah, and uh, that's some pretty impressive company. Do you do you remember that game at all? Yeah, I do. Uh, I remember the receivers were big, um, but it was yeah. I definitely remember that game. I um, got like a mild concussion. Uh, like late in the second quarter and I didn't play the rest of that game. But up until that point, um, I was definitely holding my own and I feel like I did really well. Did things feel a lot faster at Boise than they did at Duquesne? I guess there was a slight difference in speed at Boise versus Duquesne. But what I noticed when I came down to the FCS level, well, I guess for Duquesne, they have a lot of transfers there as well. So they had a receiver who started at Illinois um Nahari Crawford who's with a Canadian team right now could have easily started for an FBS team um we had a UCF transfer we had a Washington State transfer early um when I transferred that spring of 2018 so they Duquesne had a lot of players that matched that speed of uh going against a Virginia or going against a Washington State um so I guess the speed was more consistently high at Boise as opposed to Duquesne. All right. One last question for you. Um, what was your favorite NFL team growing up? The Saints. The Saints. Yeah, my dad's from New Orleans. So um, there's actually a, a baby picture of me downstairs when I was two years old in a Saints jersey with Saints pants and then Saints football. So I didn't really have a choice coming to favorite teams. Did you have a favorite player on that team? <sighs> Young. It was probably Deuce McAllister. That was probably my favorite. And then it was Marcus Colston and Tracy Porter. So Yeah, that Tracy Porter interception, iconic yeah. in New Orleans. Yeah. And what you got, Madden or NBA 2K? I got 2K because I feel like Madden is unrealistic. <laughs> and they also, There we go. Yeah, and that um, the career mode, they made it you only can be a quarterback now. I don't, I don't like that. Man, speaking for everybody there. Speaking for everybody. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks for coming on the uh, show. It was a great. It was great interviewing you. Uh, great to meet you. Um, appreciate you coming on, man. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me on. Great stuff, Jason. And we hope to see Reed in a powder blue uniform this season. Now, Jason and Steven are going to give their top seven rankings as well as some sleepers later on. Considering Williams, Davis, King, Jenkins, and Phillips were all day three picks or undrafted free agents, it's very possible Telesco finds another gem later on. So without further ado, Steven, start us off with your number seven corner. Okay, so my number seven guy is going to be Trayvon Diggs coming out of Alabama, who's 6'2", 207 pounds. Um, I know he's a bit of a, a popular guy when it comes to rankings, and he does make splash plays. I think he's a really good ball hawk type corner. Um, it's just the technique thing for me. I don't think he's really that good in man coverage, and I don't think he is a very good tackler. Um, he kind of reminds me of Josh Norman a bit where he's best, where he can, um, run back into a zone and kind of read the quarterback. And then, like I said, he makes splash plays. Uh, he does have great ball skills. And when it comes to making a play at the high point of attack, like he's great with that, uh, uses his length to his advantage and he's only played corner for two years. So there definitely is a lot of upside there, but right now I just, I just don't think he's there. So, yeah, I, I, I wasn't sold on Trayvon Diggs at all. He did earn a very high man coverage grade from me. I gave him an A-plus in man-to-man coverage. He is extremely good. Um, 
where Diggs lost me is one as a tackler, awful tackler, as you mentioned. He's just no, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with it. Uh, there was a game where in, against Kansas City, where Mike Davis started off the game really well in coverage, and then they just started throwing underneath routes against him, and he he could not deal with it. He could not deal with them running towards his side. He couldn't deal with them throwing underneath routes against him. He just couldn't deal with it. So as, as good as the coverage you get with Diggs and man coverage, we talked a bit ago about if the Chargers want to go get a good man-to-man corner to to play opposite of Hayward, Diggs could be that guy, but you're looking at him being an, a round one pick potentially. And uh, if I'm if I'm taking a round one corner, uh, as as any team, I don't want him to just be a good man to man corner because then you're you're kind of getting into like this Trey Wayne's territory where he's, mm-hmm. he's not the best not the best zone corner. He's not the best tackler, uh, but but he does have the man to man. He does have the great athleticism. I just I I'm not sold on Trayvon Diggs as a as a well rounded well rounded corner. And so y- you ask me to take a uh, a corner that's limited to only one specialty like that in the in the first or even second round i i not sold on Diggs at all he's listed pretty low for me so my number seven guy is going to be troy pride jr out of notre dame listed at 511 193 so pride has insanely fast play speed especially in tight coverage you ask him to cover against a slant uh right off the get-go he's going to be able to get there quick and he has great reaction time uh, he's well-rounded and versatile. You can ask him to play in the slot. You can play him outside. I, I'm pretty convinced he could even play some safety if you wanted him to. He's he's great, well-rounded player, very versatile. Uh, and he projects to do very well as his own corner. Like, uh, I know he got his opportunities to play man at Notre Dame, but I really like Troy Pride Jr. as his own corner. And if I had to pick a weakness for him, it'd be his press coverage. I don't, I, I'm not right off the snap, that initial press, I'm not sold on him. But it, I wouldn't say it's a, a weakness, I just think it's one of those things where it has its questions. Yeah, I really like Pride a lot, and it's a shame that he is – well, not really a shame, but he's rumored to run a four three forty, and once he does it, I think his draft stock is going to soar uh, much past the Chargers' range where they'd be able to take him. So um, we both really like Pride a lot, and he actually kind of reminds me of Casey Hayward when you watch him on film. He's just – he's really smart, really savvy. You know, He's a great tackler, and there's a lot to like there. So my number six is going to be Jalen Johnson out of Utah, uh, my alma mater. So this is a bit of a, a homer pick, but I don't really care. I love Jalen Johnson. Um, he's got elite quickness and great footwork to win on routes. Um, he does have a great ability to press man coverage. I think that's kind of his strength, and he uses his frame and length to his advantage. Um, my favorite thing about him is he is a sure-handed tackler and can make all those requisite plays in space. He's got really good ball skills, and he's had quite a few um, – Um, interception for touchdowns that have kind of showed off his ability after the catch. I love Jalen Johnson. You know, I think he's definitely a guy that you want playing in man and press man coverage. I don't think he's great in zone coverage. I think he can do that because he's smart enough and he's savvy enough and he can make sure hand and tackles, like I said. But if you want a man-to-man corner, um, Jalen Johnson is your guy. So yeah, Jalen Johnson isn't a guy I had ranked too high, and it's uh, mainly because of how much he struggles in the zone, but if you look at him purely based on that man-to-man coverage, he can be a good corner in the NFL. Um, Where he kind of loses it for me is even if you back him off and play off coverage as a man-to-man corner, he he does struggle there, and uh, I think he allows way too many catches in front of him, so... Jalen Johnson, I I like the the press man to man coverage. I like that specific skill set. I just don't think he's well rounded enough 
to to project it to any specific team. It's kind of more of a, like a project. Um, I do love Johnson as a tackler, though. Like, very good tackler. He can set the edge very well. And I could see him coming in. And I, I know this kind of... Uh, kind of weird that you would ask corner to do this but i would almost i almost like dream of him playing strong safety and setting the edge against tight ends and covering tight ends i think he could defend against tight ends very well on man coverage so my number six guy is going to be the guy i just interviewed actually it's going to be reed harrison ducrow and um so he's not not a big school guy not the the top projected player that everybody's looking at and i swear this isn't me being biased at all just because i interviewed him i swear uh, but he really excels at off coverage. You'll hear him in the interview say he likes being in the guy's face more often. But uh, I disagree with the player. Actually, I think he I think he plays better in off coverage. I think he excels at it. Um, he's really allowed to read and uh, understand what the receiver is doing. I think he understands route cops route concepts very well. You can tell he watches the film. He has great ball skills, quick reactions when the ball is in the air, and that's another factor in why I like him. Off coverage it allows him to to make a make a play, come up and make a play, regardless of if it's a slant, if it's an out route, if it's a hitch. He's very quick to get to where the ball is going, and he's really good at making the play once it gets there. And he, as I mentioned earlier, just the route awareness, the general awareness of things going on around him, good understanding of the route concepts. If I had to put a knock against him, it'd be a bit grabby on downfield throws. He did he did show some good stuff down there, but. There was a there was a couple of plays where where you catch him with his head not turned around and uh, I don't like seeing that too often from a corner so it was good that he was able to limit it but he is a bit grabby on those downfield throws. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch him. Um, you know, I trust Jason's judgment here, and I think that this is a guy that I think you know could be a, a late round steal potentially, and uh, maybe he's an undrafted free agent. I don't really know. Um, where where would you take him if you had a chance to, Jason? Uh, probably looking in that uh, that six to seven range. I don't know. I don't know exactly where he projects, but um, I'd be comfortable. I mean, I'd be comfortable with taking him earlier, but it's just based on where other teams value him. You can't really just look at how you view him as a corner. You also got to take him when he's projected to be, because you don't want to you don't want to reach for a guy too high. If you can take a guy in the fifth, you don't want to take him in the second or third. So um, yeah. I don't know. just depends. Yeah, definitely someone for Chargers fans to keep an eye on. Uh, so moving on to my number five guy, it's going to be A.J. Terrell out of Clemson. Uh, he's 6'1", 190, and I know uh, a lot of people kind of knocked him for his performance against LSU, but LSU did that to everyone. Uh, so I think that he showed enough signs in other games that you know, I, I'm a believer in his talent, and he has um, some really good physical tools. He's elite. He has elite quickness. He's very fast, and those things allow him to excel in coverage down the sidelines. Um, his man capability where he mirrors the receiver is very good. Um, he did even shadow some players into the nickel, so he does uh, have that ability where he could kind of flip back and forth. Uh, I think he could excel in his zone scheme because of his natural athleticism and instincts, uh, but he's not a great tackler, so I think he would be much better suited in a man-to-man role and in scheme. And um, He does have very good ball skills. He's, he's shown the ability to be a ball, hack, ball hawk and make some plays, and and be able to be a disruptive corner. And when you're playing, for, you know, for Clemson on defense, you know the other team's going to pass a lot because they're going to be trailing. So um, he's had a, a lot of good experience, obviously being in the playoffs, and I think that's something to value as well. So yeah, AJ Terrell is actually my number five corner. So moving right on forward, uh, I, AJ Terrell is a great athlete, fantastic athlete. He's really quick to get to the ball, especially in the tight spaces. Very fast, especially going against these vertical routes. 
Um, he's very fluid in man coverage, especially right off, right off the snap. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has really strong press, like really strong. And uh, if you get a lighter corner, or sorry, a lighter receiver going against him, uh, they're going to really struggle to get off of that that initial press. The release is going to have to be fantastic. Um, the knock against the knock against Terrell I have is his ball skills struggle once the ball is pushed downfield. So if you're looking at going up against a vertical offense, Terrell will struggle at times against it, and he's mm-hmm. going to get called for PI in the NFL. He's going to get those calls. Um, it's it's going to happen. He really struggles to get his head around on those deep passes. So I think anywhere from short to intermediate, he's going to be a great corner, but he's going to have to develop when working against those deep routes later on. Yeah, and, and like I said, there's definitely a lot of things to, to like with Terrell, but he definitely needs some improving, uh, some improvement in his technique. Uh, so moving on to my number four, it's going to be Christian Fulton out of LSU. Um, I'm not going to lie. He was pretty hard for me to place. You know, I, I thought initially when I watched him the first time around, I didn't think that he would be in my top five. And then I had to go back and rewatch him to to properly place him. And so he ended up at number four for me. Um, he's just a natural athlete. Again, he, he's very similar to AJ Terrell. He's just um, very smooth when he turns his hips, when he turns his hips to run and, and mirror the receivers. He's very smooth, very natural. So he has all the physical tools to be at an elite corner of the next level. It's just that technique, I think, needs some refining. And, um, you know, I think when he went up against some some more physical receivers, I think he did struggle a little bit. Uh, he does excel in the red zone. You know, he has very good fluidity down there to win in those key situations. And he did make a lot of plays this past season uh, in terms of jump balls in the red zone, which I think is a big, a big deal. Um, I graded him as a good tackler, not great, but he – is a very willing tackler. Like he, he'll come up and try and make those plays, um, which I did appreciate. And, and he is a bit of, he does try to be physical at the line of scrimmage. It's just the technique is kind of not there all the time. So I think that is an area that he can improve. But like I said, he is willing to go up there and make those plays, which is definitely a good sign. Yeah, it's pretty close to what I had on him. And I, I do think his technique really lacks as a tackler. And I just think, you know, he struggles with it, but he's definitely very willing to make the tackle. Uh, he won't have much versatility at the next level. You won't be able to move him in between the slot and the outside, play him in zone, play him in man. Um, I do think he needs a lot of work in zone. I think he he showed some flashes in zone coverage, which is why he's also my number four guy. Um, but he's very smart and aware of the play going on around him. I actually like his football IQ a lot. He has a really good sticky man-to-man coverage. And he has a really strong press. He's kind of similar to AJ Terrell in that sense. And he has great ball skills. Like overall, he has great ball skills. If you if you throw him up a 50-50 ball, I, there's times where I think he's going to come down with it more than the receiver would. So I really I really like Christian Fulton. So moving on to my number three then, it's going to be Cameron Dantzler out of Mississippi State. Um, I know this is kind of a, a, a bit of a reach. I know most people kind of have him down in the, in the 10 to 12 range, but I love Dantzler a lot. Uh, he's one of my personal favorites in this class just because I think he would be such a good fit for the Chargers. Um, when it comes to zone, I think he's the best zone corner in the class. He's got everything that the Chargers want in a in a corner. He's he's tall and long. He's got good ball skills. He's he's got good flexibility, and he's a great tackler. He's got a lot of he's got a tenacious attitude. Where he's he's going to come up and hit you, and and he's not afraid to make those big hits. And you know his technique isn't always great, so that's a bit of a concern. But he's going to come up and he's going to try and light you up. And that's just who he is. He's just tenacious. Um, when it comes to his zone coverage, he's got savvy instincts, which he uses to his advantage and be able to make plays in space. But my favorite thing about him is that he's just disruptive. He's got great timing. He's He's got an aggressive mentality where he is just going to mess up whatever the opposing receivers are going to do. 
you know, whether that be getting his hands on them and, and just kind of having good timing and shifting them one way and making plays. And um, he's going to go on high point the ball. He's got great length, like I said, and he's got really good ball skills where he can make interceptions and, and pass breakups. Um, then another thing that I really liked is that I watched his tape against Alabama both the past two years. And, you know, Alabama has great receivers, and he really did a fantastic job against Jerry Judy, against Jalen Wall, against all those guys. So um, when you're looking for a guy like this, you want to go and look at his tape against the best team that he played, and he did a very good job against Alabama. So, yeah, I'm not as high on Cameron Dantzler as you are. I, I, I love his big hits. I think he is willing to come and, like, really – put some heat on these guys, especially in the flats. If somebody catches a flat route in front of them or an out route in front of them, they're going to be scared because you, you turn up field and you're just going to get lit up by Cameron Dantzler. I do think he is a good zone corner. I don't think he's the best zone corner in this class, but I did give him a good grading as a zone corner. I like his ball skills. I do think he has a good press despite him being better as a zone corner than a man corner. I do like his initial press. Um, I just think as his own corner, the thing he has to develop is a little bit more of that uh, that awareness of the things going on around him. He can get messed up by, a bit by high low reads. Um, he'll he'll sit on some routes a little too long and uh, allow completions over his head. So uh, I I think there's some stuff to refine there and work on. And he's my number eleven corner, uh, but I do like Cameron Dantzler. I do like his potential. I'm just interested to see where he goes. I'm really interested. There's there's some where I've seen him go around the fourth round and there's some there's somewhere i've seen him go in the first round so really hard to project where dantzler goes so my number three guy and i get i, I think steven's gonna disagree with this but is gonna be cj henderson out of florida listed at 61 200 so cj henderson i really really like him and he was kind of a, a really strong candidate coming into this season he really really tailed off he you don't you don't hear about him much anymore as like one of those top guys you just you just don't um, I look at big boards and I see him on the, the top five lists, but I don't ever hear him talked about. It's really interesting. So he's a great athlete, like fantastic athlete, especially in short spaces. He has a high awareness of the things that are going on around him. He, he understands route concepts very well. Uh, he balances good man with good zone, complements both with a strong press. So you ask him to play a Tampa two, or if you ask him to play a cover three, um, with press, he's going to excel at both. And he's going to be able to keep up with those vertical routes, despite, uh, pressing on a cover three. And he'll be able to make up for, uh, the gap between the, the two zones in a Tampa two between that high safety and the low flat. Uh, he'll be able to make up for it with his athleticism. He did it a couple times where, uh, they tried to hit that gap and he was able to make a play break up. Um, he has strong ball skills overall. So especially in the, in the short routes, when he's in those cover two flats, he will, he will always contest that catch. No matter if it's a hitch, if it's an out, if it's a great route run, he'll be there, he'll be there to break it up or he'll at least contest the ball. Uh, he'll never make it easy on these wide receivers. He'll, he's very versatile. He'll be able to play both the outside and the slot, both man and zone. So he's highly versatile. I think he'll be well-rounded in any area, area, uh, I think any team can draft him, and he'll fit into the scheme very well. But I think a scheme he would fit in best is a scheme that that allows the plays to switch up. As much as I'd hate to say it, I think he fit really well in Denver. I don't like that at all. But uh, you think about how often Denver like switches between those zones and those man coverages and allows their guys to to really play that versatile s- skill set to their advantage. Uh, Denver would be a really good fit for him. I'd rather him not go there though. 
Um, his tackling does need a lot of work. I think he's an okay tackler. I just think sometimes he makes some business decisions where he's like, nah. And uh, that's that's something that can really take me away from a corner and be like, uh, no. But in today's NFL, I'm kind of okay with it. And uh, when he does choose to make the business decision of, uh, you know, maybe I'll tackle him this time, he does he does show some okay stuff as a tackler. So, yeah, I do not have him in my uh, top seven. You know, I'm thinking he's probably more in the 10 to 12 range personally. Like you said, those business decisions, it just really turned me off on him. Um, I think his 2018 tape was much better than his 2019 tape. Um, that being said, like he is, a, he's a great athlete and he shows some flashes. It's just the tackling for me. Like it's, it's, his tackling is almost too Mike Davis-y to me. Like it's just, it's just not good. So, um, that was the big thing for me. I just didn't, didn't like that. So, uh, my second guy is a guy that I know Jason isn't super high on. It's Jeff Gladney out of TCU. Um, he's six foot, 183 pounds. Um, I think this is a bit of a reach as far as where he would go. I could see him going into the first round. Um, but I just really like his, I like his tenaciousness and he reminds me a bit of Jalen Ramsey when I watch him. He just has that dog mentality where he wants to get after you one-on-one. Um, he did shadow a lot more from what I saw than any other corner in this class, which considering he played in the big 12 where every team wants to throw it 50 times a game, I think that's pretty impressive. Um, if you watch his tape against Texas, he did a fantastic job against Colin Johnson and Colin Johnson is like seven, seven. He's a giant human being. So, um, considering Jeff Glani six feet tall, I think he did a really good job of battling and, and making, uh, Colin Johnson work for everything that he got. So, um, Gladney has incredible ball skills to me and his instincts when it comes to high pointing the ball and making a play are fantastic. Um, as a tackler, he really excels and I think he, uh, has very good technique and he is very willing to come up and make plays in space like that. Uh, my, my one knock on him is that he, I feel like he could do a better job of getting both hands up to create some more turnovers. I think he's almost too focused on, uh, just breaking the pass up instead of trying to create a turnover. So, um, that is the one area where I, where I feel like he needs to improve. I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> two, really? I, I love him, this. dude. Moving on. I'm all right. Uh, so yeah, and Gladney he has huge potential in zone coverage. I think. I think he can come into a, a zone scheme and uh, really make huge strides as a prospect. I actually have him as my number ten guy, but I can see him being a far better pro if he goes into the right scheme. I think his zone yeah. scheme would benefit him immensely uh he's highly aware great football iq like he always understands what routes coming and he always knows when to break on the football uh he's really good when his eyes are on the quarterback i just love him i love his potential as a zone guy his range is Um, fantastic yeah it's great athlete um i like his initial press and and his man coverage until it gets downfield and maybe 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 that's why he worked so well against Colin Johnson. Um, <laughs> that's fair. But I, I really like his initial press, and I like that man coverage. But the second it gets downfield, it's uh, it can get a little dangerous. Um, he's grabby and late to get his head around as well. And I just when you when you combine that with his struggling man when it gets downfield, it's not not ideal. I don't like that combo. So uh, that's why Gladney is a little lower for me, but. Strictly talking, strictly speaking, as a zone corner, I like his potential when his eyes are on the quarterback. I like it a lot. So number two for me is going to be Bryce Hall out of Virginia. 
Love Bryce Hall. I love Bryce Hall. So Hall earned a high-tier starter grade from me, despite being kind of a poor man-to-man corner. He's not the best man-to-man corner at all. I wouldn't even say he's good at it. Maybe not even average. If he was even above average in the slightest in that department, he might even grade out with Jeffrey Okuda for me because his zone coverage is so good. He's insanely smart. His ball skills are fantastic. He has great press. Um, it's just that man to man. Once you once you get them in that get him in that man to man coverage, it's not gonna be great. I don't think he has the athleticism to keep up with some of those guys as well. So he's gonna be a fantastic zone corner at the next level, and he has the mm-hmm. versatility to play in either the slot or outside or even as a free safety. I, I kind of like him as a free safety. Um, he's an excellent tackler, and he's willing to make the tough hits. Like I love his tackling, despite not excelling at that man man coverage i think i already mentioned this is that he presses the wide receiver very well he shows fluidity in his initial movements uh, i like it when he's going against the, the outs and the in routes like five yards deep very good in that case it's when you get into the intermediate to deep that his man coverage really struggles and so that fluidity will help him in play the under coverages such as tampa 2 especially with how fast his reaction time is and uh his a plus awareness and iq will gift him a lot of interceptions in those zone coverages for sure. There's a lot to like about uh, Bryce Hall. It's just for me, um, there's a bit of concern about his durability and, and just his health. He's been injured every single year that he played at Virginia. So um, that is the one concern for me. Uh, hopefully it works out. There, like, There's so much to like about Bryce Hall. There's He would be an incredible fit for the Chargers if they could get him. Um, it's just that durability isn't, isn't fantastic. So uh, both of our number one, it should be no shock to anyone, uh, Jeffrey Okuda from Ohio State. And to be honest, I think he's the best corner prospect of at least the last Ever. five years. He, he <laughs> He's so good. And the fact that they had this amazing corner and then the best defensive end prospect I've ever seen in Chase Young, like it's just not fair that Ohio State had both of those. It's it's, it's not fair. Um, Bucky Brooks compared Jeffrey Okuda to Stephon Gilmore, and I totally agree with that. He's fantastic in man coverage. He's great in zone coverage. Um, You're selling Okuda short. What are you – Gilmore? Come on. I mean, there is Darrell Revis is the comparison, but Darrell Revis's peak is the best peak of any corner I've ever seen. So I didn't want to put that kind of a a ceiling and expectation on on Okuda. Uh, But really, he's worth it. Like, you know, if you're talking about a surefire pick, like Jeffrey Okuda is is the best corner I've seen in college ever. Yeah, I don't even have to go in depth on what he can and can't do well right here. The answer is yes. The answer is everything. He's going to kill it. Yes, everything. He's going to kill it. Uh, his ball skills are really impressive. His zone coverage, even though he wasn't asked to do it a lot, is was really good. He flashed it really well. Uh, his press is insane. Uh, man coverage, insane. Really good understanding of route concepts, especially in that zone coverage. Um, he can tackle well. He's cr- a great athlete. He's very versatile. It's just... I. There's nothing I don't like about Akuda. He's great across the board. I just I tried really hard, actually. I tried really hard to find something I did not like about Jeffrey Okuda. There isn't, and I just much. couldn't. No, I considered making it like ball skills because there were times, like, like one time, <laughs> like one time in his entire college career where it was kind of like, eh. But uh, I just couldn't do it. He's too good. He's he made it to where wide receivers couldn't wide receiver. So it was yeah, just yeah. fun watching his tape. It, it was know. so much fun. 
And yeah. just like you talk about a guy that's going to come in like the defensive player or the rookie defensive player of the year is going to be so interesting between Okuda and Chase Young and Isaiah Simmons. Like you talk about a top five of defensive players in a class like this is as good as we've ever seen. Like with those three, it's just going to be fantastic. I don't know if I've shared like uh, my number rankings when I've talked about prospects before, but to put this into perspective, I have not given anybody a 70 overall in this class yet. And I rank them out of 80. Um, and anything above a 70 overall is basically he, he steps into the league and from the very first snap, the dude's elite. And that's, that's Okuda. I, he's the only guy that's even come, come close to that spot. And so, I mean, there's not a single thing about Okuda where I look and I'm just like, mm, maybe not. He's, you thought Marshawn Lattimore had a good rookie season. I think Okuda is going to just murder this. I think he's going to be an, a fantastic pro and uh, one of the best corner prospects to ever come out. Like it's insane watching this guy's tape. He's so good. And I am honestly so tempted to take him at six. I am so tempted. It's not a need. Uh, Chargers need a quarterback, but man, Okuda and Hayward and King oh together. And then you have Bosa and Ingram rushing the quarterback. I mean, it's so hard not to just say, screw it. Let's roll with Tyrod Taylor, take Okuda. It's so hard not to do that. And, man, I don't envy Tom Telesco for having to make a decision in a couple months here. That's He's losing I, hair right now. The fact that Okuda is probably going to end up being a Detroit Lion is just really sad. Ugh, They're going to trade Slay away and then take <laughs> Okuda, and I'm going to be so upset. Just, just keep Slay and take Okuda. Just keep Slay and take Okuda if you're smart. Just do it. Yeah. Don't take a quarterback. Let Tua come to us. You know, help us out a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. If he goes to the Lions, I'm going to be so depressed. It's going to not be fun. Well, it sounds like that's your surefire number one guy, but let's hear some sleepers. Jason, who you got? I think my number one sleeper in this class is going to be... Michael Oyemudia, Oyemudia, Ojemudia. I'm sorry, Michael Ojemudia from Iowa. <laughs> Listed at six foot, 200 pounds. I'm sorry, man. Uh, I can't pronounce your name. I've, I've tried. Um, so the reason Michael is such a good fit for like the Chargers as a sleeper is uh, he's a fantastic zone corner. He fits so well in the Chargers cover three scheme. Very aware, very smart, understands route concepts, especially when they come in, they're come they coming into his zone. He's very good at not letting that deep man get behind him. Uh, even if there's a, a route that's very enticing in front of him, such as an out or a crosser, he won't bite on it at all. He's very smart. Uh, he's got great ball skills. Like uh, He's six foot, 200 pounds, so he, he has the frame to go and catch a 50-50 ball against these wide receivers, and he'll take advantage of that frame. He's very good at uh, great ball skills. Um Knock against him and why I didn't have him as like a top seven guy or even a top 10 guy is he's not great man-to-man at all. So if you come and ask him to uh, be a good man-to-man corner, uh, doesn't have the ideal press, so it's not going to work out there. But as a very specific cover three schemed guy, I think Michael OJ Mudia will do just fine. I think he's a good sleeper in this class, and I think he'll... I think he'll have a couple of interceptions in his rookie year. All right, so um, yeah, I'm not even going to try and say his last name, but there's a lot to like with him at coming out of Iowa, and we know that Iowa corners tend to translate to the next level, so um, that would be a fantastic pick. Uh, the first sleeper I'm going to talk about is Amik Robertson. 
out of Louisiana Tech. Simply put, he is a disruptor. He he's a force. That he's always around the ball. He's 14 career interceptions, and he caused a lot of, uh, a couple other fumbles as well. Um, he does have the mentality and the tenaciousness where I know that he wants to win one-on-one battles and that he wants to be like that shutdown corner. His technique isn't great, but I think he'll be a much better pro because he'll get some some NFL coaching and his technique will improve. It's just the 14 career interceptions, like that's a fantastic amount of production from a corner. And, you know, there's so much to like. He's always around the football. And I think he is getting a little bit more hype. You know, uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks talked about him on their podcast a couple weeks ago. So um, he might not be a sleeper anymore. I still think if you can grab him in like the sixth round, like absolutely do that 100%. So I had a lot of trouble picking between Harrison Hand and Darnay Holmes as my next sleeper guy. So Darnay Holmes is out of UCLA, and Harrison Hand is out of Temple. Um, Harrison Hand, I think, is the one I'm going to go with. I'm kind of doing this on the fly because I still can't decide. I might just do both. So uh, Harrison Hand out of Temple is six foot 190, and this dude is very smart, very aware, and I think he's the best in this entire class at recognizing route concepts. He's so smart and you can tell on film he knows where to be it seems like at all times uh he has very strong zone coverage especially in the underneath zones you ask him to play cover two and nothing is going to get complete down there or even behind him i was talking earlier about that ability to uh that cj henderson has to get back again uh even if he's playing in the underneath zones to get back and defend against like a, a fade in between the safety and the low read and uh, Harrison Hand can do that. It's, he's very, a very, very smart player. He understands what's coming. And um, he has fantastic ball skills. Like, I don't care what receiver you're putting against him. They will have a tough time catching a, a 50-50 ball against Harrison Hand. Uh, a knock against him, he's not a strong press cornerback and will struggle versus quick routes in man-to-man. You do like a, like a quick slant against him and against man coverage, and you're probably going to win that battle. But... It's like different when he has his eyes on the quarterback. If he has his eyes on the quarterback playing that that cover two flat, uh, he can defend against the the quick slants or the quick outs. So you just you tell Harrison Hand to to play that Tampa two or to play that cover three, he'll work out just fine. And so I think the reason I went with Harrison Hand over Darnay Holmes here and why I kept debating is I think Harrison Hand is a better fit for the Chargers than Darnay Holmes is. I think mm-hmm. Holmes is a better man corner. Um but I think Harrison Hand fits the Chargers way better. And another good part about Hand is great tackler, like really, really good tackler. And um, that was just kind of the the cherry on top for him. I didn't see Darnay Holmes as a good tackler at all. So that's why I decided in the end to go with Harrison Hand is that tackling and that better fit as a Charger. I like that. Uh, I like Darnay Holmes a lot. Um, like you said, there's a lot to like about him and, and he's, he's just a guy who fights hard down the field. Um, but he's not a great tackler, like you mentioned. So, uh, my, my last guy here is going to be Jerron Bryant out of Fresno state. Um, this is going to be a late round sleeper. Like this is like a seventh round type player. Um, he's got a very good frame. He's not the best athlete, but he shows, um, good enough technique in a zone scheme where he can, um, come in and, and make plays right away. Uh, he didn't play a whole lot of man. Fresno State almost exclusively plays zone. So, you know, I do have confidence that he could come in and learn the defense and be able to make plays in space. I really like his tackling. Um, tackle-wise, he's got very good technique. 
and he's not afraid to come up and, and just lay the wood, and, and he's very aggressive. They even actually blissed him from the corner spot quite a bit at Fresno State uh, from what I saw on film, which is, is a plus side, and he does show the the versatility where he could do many different things, and um, they even had him play out of the nickel quite a bit as a sophomore. So there's a lot to like as far as his versatility. Um, and in a situation where they just, where the chargers address other positions and they're taking a corner around seven, you know, I think Jerron Bryant would be a good fit. So a question for you, Steven, um, out of your top seven or even your sleepers, who would taking value into account here, who would you be most excited to go get? Well, that's the thing about value is like, because I think in my ideal draft situation, you take an offensive tackle, a quarterback and a receiver in the first three rounds. So then you're talking about a guy who's a day three pick. So I think, um, I think of anyone on my list. I think Dancer. There's maybe a chance that he would be there, and I think Jalen Johnson maybe a chance he would be there, and then any of our sleepers. Um, so if they drafted Amik Robinson, I would be thrilled with that, just because the Chargers haven't really had any kind of ball hawk type player like that. You know, it's been since Antonio Cromartie where they've had a guy that can come in and get five, six, seven interceptions. And I think Amik Robertson can do that. So I think he would be the most exciting for me personally. Obviously, I would love Jalen Johnson, former Ute, to come join the squad. But uh, I think Amik Robertson would, would just be a, a fantastic fit. What about you? Um, I would say pride up until this point. But I think after this combine, you're not going to get him there. Uh, no. The rumors that he's going to run a 4-3 I mean, I thought I knew he was fast. I didn't think he was that fast. So if he goes out and runs a four three, I mean, I love Troy Pride. So I don't think that's going to happen. I would not take a corner in the first three rounds unless Bryce Hall was available in the third round, and then I would take Bryce Hall in the third round and wait another round for a receiver. I'd be tempted to take Bryce Hall in the second, but you got to think that you're you've already taken a quarterback. I'm assuming. And then you need an offensive tackle to help that quarterback out, especially with Russell Okung's recent news uh, that he's unhappy here. And then uh, you got the third round between receiver and, I don't know, that's that's tough. In terms of value, I mean, you're probably looking at Harrison Hand in the later rounds or Michael Oyemudia out of Iowa. I think he would be a great fit. Um and he'd, he'd probably be taken somewhere in the fifth or sixth, kind of similar to Desmond King. And, I mean, these Iowa cornerbacks are working out pretty well. So, I mean, I'd be okay with that. For sure. And, and Pride would be – like, he would be a perfect charger. And, like, I, and he reminds me so much of Casey Hayward. But, you know, he went and dominated the Senior Bowl. Right. And now he's going to go to the Combine and supposedly run a 4-3. So, you know, I think if he does that, I think he sneaks into potentially, like, the second-round territory, which good for him. And then, obviously – and then obviously you got Reed Harrison Ducrow here too, of course, who who said that Casey Hayward is a is a great guy that he looks up to and um, like kind of models his game after. So I mean, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I have him highly graded on my list, and you know you're probably looking at him somewhere day three. So I mean, I'm all for that as well. Any of these sleeper guys, I'm 100% okay with. I'm just I don't think about rounds one through three. I don't think you can take a corner. I just don't think they can afford it right no. now unless one of those elite guys falls, such as Bryce Hall. Do you think with all the injuries they had last year? So in 2018, they lost a ton of linebackers. And in free agency, they brought in Thomas Davis, a veteran guy, kind of inexpensive guy, to really try to solidify that group. Do you think they do the same thing in free agency at corner? I'd hope not. I don't like free agent corners. I'm just not a big mm-hmm. fan of them. 
Um, I think it's uh, Jamie of the Lightning Round doesn't like taking the skill guys for free agency either, and I understand where that's coming from as well. It's just you don't wide receivers and corners often command big bucks in free agency. And if you haven't groomed them to fit your scheme, it's kind of hard to adjust to that scheme at those skill positions. It's different if you're going and getting a lineman um, because I feel like those, those different schemes don't different differentiate too much. I mean, if you go from like a more agile scheme, like an outside zone versus like a power scheme, it can get different, but you're still asking them to, to make the the blocks where you get to the second level. It's just in different techniques and different ways. So, I mean, like with skill guys, corners included, um, it's it's hard for me to say, go get a free agent, especially in this free agent classic corner. I'm just not really sold. They're either going to cost way too much or there's not a lot of depth there. So it's, I'm, I don't know. I'd rather just go draft a guy, groom him. They're, they've been pretty decent at going and finding corners they like late so far. As much as like we've knocked Michael Davis in this podcast today, um, he does have some good coverage skills. He just really struggles to get his head around, and he really struggles to tackle. But that specific skill set they got him for, he does just fine, which is to kind of get that short man-to-man coverage against like the hitches and quick slants. He's okay at that. And then you got Brandon Faison, who kind of is the polar opposite of him, who can't who can't defend against those tight window routes at all to save his life. Um, but he's a great tackler and he kind of holds his own downfield and vertical in the vertical passing game. So I, I like their ability to go and find a guy that they want that fits their team in this draft. Yeah. Obviously people are going to mention, uh, Byron Jones, but I just know that contract is, is going to be way too expensive. So I, I wouldn't mind bringing in like a super cheap veteran type guy that's had, uh, experience in like the Seattle cover three scheme that is so, uh, common these days. But I would just rather draft a guy like Jason was saying, and you know this is not the time to invest in an expensive quarter. Like it's it's just not it's just not the right time to do that. All right, good job, guys. Everyone, thank you again for listening. Next week we kick off our first podcast of March, which means two things: one, we're getting closer to free agency finally, and then two, it means our first giveaway of March. You can enter the giveaway by being a supporter of any tier on our Patreon page, with the winner this time around getting the jersey of a ch- the Chargers. Biggest free agent acquisition, if any. If they don't acquire anybody exciting, maybe we'll switch it up to like a guy they re-signed instead. So anyway, <laughs> you can find the link to the Patreon on the Guilty as Charged podcast Twitter page. Before we head out, Steven and Jason, twop, twop, <laughs> twop. I'm a fucking Elmer Fudd. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh my God. We are now uh, a mature rated podcast. <laughs> uh, we are now. <laughs> Whatever, fuck them kids. Anyway. Before we head out, <laughs> Stephen and Jason. <laughs> oh my We're out of here. Tyler's going to not talk anymore. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. I just got muted. Bye. No. No, it's all good. Guys, drop your Twitter info, please. All right. My personal Twitter is uh, Stephen I. Hagland, and I do run the, the Guilty as Charged podcast, GAC Podcast 17. And again, if anyone uh, could please go review us on Apple and, and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, all those reviews are a big help. I hope you guys realize I'm leaving that in the podcast. Every every word. <laughs> if you weave a bad review, I'll hunt you down. Uh. <laughs> oh, my God. You can find me at Centauri13 on Twitter, hashtag love at six. And this is Tyler. You can find me at Tyler J. Shoon. Have a great weekend. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.